Turn in your Bibles today to James chapter 4 and verse 14. Most of the scriptures we're going to read today are from the New King James Version of the scripture, but our text is going to be from the NIV, and then we are going to make a reference to uh, also the uh, Message uh, Bible as well, just some of the phraseology I want to bring out in in a couple of those, but... uh, James chapter 4 and verse 14. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. I want to speak to us on the subject life in the fog. Life in the fog. Let's pray. Father, In the precious name of your son, Jesus, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God to be with us in a very real and mighty way, dear God. We can't do this without you. Lord, because of the abilities that you've given humans to communicate, dear Lord, we can speak without any special anointing. You've given us the abilities to do that. We can listen or hear without any special anointing. But Lord, when there's preaching, If it's true preaching, it involves the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and applying it to not just our ears, but to our hearts. And we're asking that the miracle of teaching and preaching, spiritual teaching and preaching would take place today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a hand of praise for His Word today? Amen. It happened in 1937 uh, over in Europe at Chelsea at a place called Stamford Bridge. There was a uh, what we would call soccer and they would call football. There was a football match, a soccer match being uh, played. And very soon after kickoff, a dense uh, pea-like uh, fog, pea-like soup fog, Uh, begin to roll into uh, that stadium and it started as it rolled the length of that field it it started to thicken more and more and more as it came toward the goalkeeper a man by the name of Samuel Bartram it came to him it got so heavy that the referee had to call the game but as soon as it had rolled in it rolled out it cleared up They continued the game, but then it started all over again. That pea soup fog began to roll in there, and it obscured so that the goalkeeper, Sam, saw fewer and fewer and fewer of the figures out there. And so he kept looking, searching, squinting his eyes to see whether or not that soccer ball was coming toward his goal. And he stayed there at his intended post. He did notice that things were getting quieter and quieter. It was eerie. There was not much sound coming from the stands. There wasn't many shouts or uh, sounds of movement out on the field. But he stayed there, still trying his best to see through the fog if that uh, soccer ball was coming his way so he could defend his goal. And he was seeing nothing and hearing nothing 
but he still kept searching. He kept waiting. He stayed on his post and he kept looking. And he kept wondering, are they ever going, why is it the ball coming my way? And finally, after a long, long wait, there was a figure, a single figure that loomed out on the field walking toward him. And he noticed that it was indeed a a policeman that was kind of looking at him dumbstruck. He said, what on earth are you doing here? The game was stopped 15 minutes ago and the field is completely empty. He was out there for 15 minutes by himself, but he didn't know it. He didn't realize it because he could not see through the fog. Now, I wonder if there are any of us that ever feel like Sam Bartram felt that we're just kind of living in a fog. I've known people that because of health issues, they've had to um, take a lot of very strong medication and they complain often of their mind just being foggy. I've also read that people that suffer with fibromyalgia, where they just kind of have pains uh, in various parts of their body, one of the symptoms of that is a brain fog. I feel that way sometimes, uh, certainly, but sometimes it's more than just a fog in my mind. Sometimes it is spiritual fog. Sometimes it's like I don't see what God is doing. I don't understand what's happening in the world. I'm straining. I'm looking to try to see what's going on. I'm trying to stay on my post. I'm trying to do what the Lord told me to do. But sometimes things are not very clear. Do do you ever feel frustrated like that goalkeeper did waiting for a ball that is not coming, waiting for something to happen. You ever felt like life was on pause? You ever felt that the things that you prepared for, the things you hoped for, the things you dreamed for, it just didn't happen. It's all at a standstill. You're not seeing anything. You're not hearing anything. And the frustrating thing about fog is the inability to see. We've probably all been out on a morning drive and had to drive into fog and at times even pull over because you could not see your, uh, your hand in front of your face, let alone oncoming traffic. We kind of feel like sometimes what an event that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They were at Salamis, Cyprus, and they were invited to address the proconsul there, Sergius Paulus, But while they were there trying to share the gospel with him, there was a a wizard there, a a sorcerer and a false prophet whose name was Elymas Bar-Jesus, and he resisted them. He was trying to woo and influence the proconsul against them. And finally, Paul looked at him, and this is Acts 13 and 11, Paul looked at him and said, the hand of the Lord is upon you, And you shall be blind, not seeing for the sun for a time. And here's what the New Testament says. And immediately a dark mist, that's another way of saying a fog, a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. He was just lost in a fog. He could not see. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, the Apostle Paul talks about that we are looking like through a glass dimly. 
And some people think of that as a window, trying to look through a smudged or smoked window. Uh, others believe it's talking about a mirror, like looking into a, a smudgy mirror. But the message kind of uh, puts this paraphrase on. And I just like because it kind of speaks to us. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through the mist. Now, does anybody feel that way, especially in the day that we're living in? Anybody understand exactly what's going on? In fact, when I hear experts talk, I'm more confused than when I started, right? It seems like everything is up in the air and we just can't see and, and we feel like that there is this futility of the fog. That's what's frustrating about it, is we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to stay in position. We're waiting for that, to, for something to happen, and it just seems like all of our efforts are futile. It just seems like that the fog has rendered everything we wanted to do. I've talked to a lot of pastors, and I'm trying to encourage pastors to say, Please don't get discouraged. In fact, uh, George Barna, uh, uh, the company he started, Barna Research Company, they said that, that 53% of church, regular people that consider themselves regular church attenders in the United States, 53% of them have not been to one single service since all this COVID-19 stuff has started. 53%. And he said... Uh, 33% of that whole have not logged in, been online, watched on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. They've had no, no uh, kind of uh, connection with their church other than possibly, you know, a pastor or someone calling them or visiting them or whatever. But as far as any kind of interaction with the service, another 33% or 33% of the whole have not done that. So you've got pastors that are feeling like, you know, I want to see the church grow, but I'm looking out, and we got half of what we had. And they don't realize they're actually probably doing pretty good. If, if you're getting 60 70% right now of what you were running before, you're doing pretty good. But it's a discouraging time for them. It's a discouraging time for people that are in business. College football, you can't even, uh, you don't know whether or not, you know, some uh, uh, conferences are going to play, other conferences aren't going to play. High school football, we have, uh, we have uh, states in the United States that are playing high school football in the fall, and you have uh, states in the United States that's not going to do that. Uh, everywhere that you look, we don't know how it's going to affect the election. We don't know whether or not the election is going to be largely a mail-in election. I mean, we just, just so many questions in the day we live it in, and it seems like all of our efforts are futile because we just don't know what's out there because we can't see. It's foggy. We can't see what's coming. We don't know when it's going to end. I would have thought it would have been over by now, wouldn't you? But we just don't know. But when people think about this effort of Sam Bartram who spent those 15 minutes out there on the field. It's kind of really silly looking at it. To be out there 15 minutes by yourself and, there, and there's nothing happening and you don't even know it because you, you're oblivious. But when people think about Sam Bartram, they don't remember him as foolish. They remember him as faithful. They don't remember the futility. They remember the fidelity. 
They hold him up as somebody that in spite of circumstances stayed on his post. And so not only is there futility uh, of the fog, but there can be on our part fidelity in the fog. That you can stay faithful in the fog. If you don't understand, stay faithful. If you don't know what's coming, stay faithful. If you don't know what to do, stay faithful. If nothing's happening, stay faithful. Just stay there until the Lord comes back and tells you to go somewhere else. Do what you're doing until the Lord says it's enough. Right? I remember I've always enjoyed this story. And in the last 26 years, I've understood this story better than I did before. Of One man had a dream that went to heaven and there were two lines for men to get into heaven. And one line stretched as far as the eye could see. It seemed to go on forever. And in the other line, there was one little milk toast, shriveled up little guy, stooped little guy standing in that line. And he, he asked St. Pete, he said, what's these two lines for? He said, well, you see that line there that goes on and on and on? He said, that's the line for all of the henpecked husbands to get into heaven. He said, well, what's that other line? He said, that's the line that had that one little stooped guy. He said, that's the line for all the unhenpecked husbands. So he went over and he said, hey, fellow, what you doing in this line? He said, my wife told me to stand here. Right? Well, there's some fidelity in the fog that we stand where the Lord tells us to stand. We do what the Lord told us to do. We stay on our post no matter what. We are faithful in the fog. We have fidelity to him. Listen to what Hebrews 12, 3 and 4 says. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. He said, I know you're getting tired of staying on your post. I know you're getting tired of doing what you're doing and having no result. But listen, you hadn't yet paid the ultimate price. Hang in there, stay in the battle, stay in the fight, stay faithful. Revelation 2.10, the Lord's speaking to the church at Smyrna who receives no condemnation whatsoever, only commendation. He says, do not fear any of the things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. When we don't know what else to do, we just do what we've been doing. We just stay faithful. We hang in there. We stay on the wall. Job said in his life, it was like a, a fog happened in him. He didn't understand why his children had died. He didn't understand why his uh, riches were taken from him. He didn't understand why his health was suffering. All of this happening in a very short period of time, bad news one after the another, his wife saying, curse God and die. He didn't understand all of that, and he complained about it. He said, I've been looking for God, and I can't find him. I can't see him up ahead of me. He's not there. I can't see him behind me. I can't see him to the right or the left. It's like I'm in a fog. I can't see God. But he knows the way that I take. In the, God can see in the fog. I can't see him but he can see me. I, I love this little, uh, little fact here. Several times, three or four times, I've been able to go 
uh, three times in fact, been able to go to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And I love to watch the, the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier uh, in the um, uh, Arlington National Cemetery. In the summer times, they change guards every 30 minutes and in the wintertime, every hour. The soldier walks 21 steps across the tomb and that alludes to a 21-gun salute, which is the highest honor given to any military or foreign dignitary. And they always have their weapon on the opposite side from the tomb. On the 21st step, the soldier turns, faces the tomb for 21 seconds. Then the soldier turns and faces the other way across the tomb and changes his or her weapon to the outside shoulder. And after 21 seconds, that first step is repeated. They do that over and over again. And then every 30 minutes in the summer, every hour in the winter, they have the changing of the guard. And everyone is stone silent in reverence during this time. And there have been a few times that a few silly people get to giggling and they get a sharp rebuke from those guards at that, at that tomb. Here's what they said. Now they're guarding, nobody's trying to steal that, those bones in that tomb. They're guarding something that, that there's no desire for anybody to guard, but they're doing it out of respect. Here's, here's their oath. My dedication to this sacred duty is total and wholehearted. In the responsibility bestowed on me, never will I falter. And with dignity and perseverance, my standard will remain perfection. Through the years of diligence and praise and the discomfort of the elements, I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is he who commands the respect I protect. His bravery that made us so proud. Surrounded by well-meaning crowds by day, alone in thoughtful peace of night, this soldier will in honored glory rest under my eternal vigilance. In 2003, Hurricane Isabel, with 60 mile per hour winds, beat down on Arlington, Virginia. And it was during the, those winds that vehicles were overturned, debris were, uh, as projectiles were flying through the air, but that measured step continued. One fellow said, one of those guards said, I've got buddies getting shot at in Iraq who would kick my butt if I were, if word were to get back to them that I let them down. And he said, I, I'm sure as blank have no intention of spending my army career being known as the idiot who couldn't stand a little light breeze and shirked his duty. He said something else in response to a silly reporter who asked him, why would you go through these purposeless, uh, purposeless and silly uh, antics uh, at, at great personal risk, here's what he said. I wouldn't expect you to understand it's an enlisted man's thing. And there are people that are that way about us and what we're doing as Christians. They say, you, you mean you go to church three times a week? You mean you, you on, a, on a Wednesday morning you go to church? You mean to tell me you give 10% of your income to the church? Are you, are you really serious that on a Tuesday night when it's raining, you'll go to the church to pray, which is what people did last night? Really? Why would you do such silly stuff? Because we're on a post. 
And even when it's foggy, or even when it's rainy, or even when the wind blows, or even when the, the tides and the times are against us, in sunny weather, in sunshine, or in shadow, like the post office that said, wind and hail and sleet and snow is not going to keep me from my appointed post. We don't allow it to keep us from our post because we demonstrate our fidelity to God, not only in the fog, but at the most when it's foggy. That obedience means more when I don't understand. It means more when I can't see. So we stay on our post. And then there is the what I call the familiarity of the fog. Or familiarity in the fog. And I know sometimes that it feels like to us that the fog is actually separating us from God. That, and, and we know we can't see Him in a physical sense. But there are times that we sense and know and see His hand moving in our lives and there are other times it's just foggy. And I know it feels like that when there's fog, we're separated from God. Uh, Jeremiah felt this way in Lamentations 3.44. He said, you have covered yourself with a cloud that prayer should not pass through. He said, there, you're, you're shrouded in a cloud and my prayers can't even get to you. It feels that some way uh, sometimes in the fog. But can I tell you that the fog is actually sometimes proof of God's presence? It's not the absence of God. Sometimes it's the presence of God. You know, all that fog is is a low-lying cloud. We know that, right? That's all that fog is is a low-lying cloud. You look up at the sky and you say, that one looks like a rabbit and that one looks like a horse and and, and, and they're beautiful and, and fluffy and white, but then when you're in the midst of it, it's the same cloud. <laughs> it's the same stuff, but it sure looks different when you're in the midst of it, right? Many, many times I've been up in airplanes and have, I've even been where when we took off on the ground, it was raining, it was bleak, it was, it was gray, it was, it was dark. And we get up in those clouds and you can't see anything. And then you peek up on the other side of the clouds and you're looking down at the clouds. And the sun's shining on a bright blue sky. And you look down at fluffy white clouds. It's all a matter of perspective. Nehemiah 1.3, the Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and will not, always, uh, will not at all quit, uh, quit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It was a baptism that the children of Israel went through when they went through the Red Sea and the, and the pillar of cloud was their protection. Exodus 40, 34. This is Mo, uh, uh, in the time of Moses and in the wilderness. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, that tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Exodus 24, 18, on Mount Sinai, Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The presence of a cloud indicated that, the, that God was at work. 
It's not an indication that God wasn't there, that God was silent or still. God was in the fog. He was in the cloud. 1 Kings 8, 10 through 12, it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. So that the priest could not continue to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in a dark cloud. There's a familiarity that we can have with God in the fog. Revelation 1-7, behold, he is coming with clouds. Now Luke 9, 34 and 35, this is when Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mount and he was uh, seen there with, with Moses and Elijah and he began to shine like the noonday sun and Peter said, let's build three uh, tents, three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And then God spoke up from out of heaven and here's what happened. While Peter was saying that, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. In other words, it wasn't just a cloud up there overshadowing them. It was a dense fog that came down and surrounded that mountain. They, they couldn't see anything. And there came a voice out of the fog, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. What do you do in the fog? You listen for the voice of Jesus. You listen for the voice of Jesus. And then Matthew says it this way. After they heard that voice, they fell on their face before the Lord. And when they had lifted up their eyes, Matthew 17 and 8, they saw no one but Jesus only. There is a familiarity that comes in the fog. You ever been riding in your car and uh, you go through a patch of fog and it, 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 it can just, it can seem so eerie, so ominous. And then you've got a, your spouse or a friend or a family member that's in the car with you. Isn't it just comforting to have somebody with you in the fog? Well, I want you to know we've got somebody with us in the spiritual fog in which we find ourselves. Jesus is there. He is with us. He's promised to never leave us, never forsake us. He'd go with us all the way, even to the end of the world. And then there's the finality of the fog. The whole point of our text, James 4, 14, the whole point of it was him talking about how temporary fog is. He's saying your life is like the vapor or the mist or the fog that it's there a little while and then it vanishes. There's a lot of mornings when we get up that you look out and there's a fog, there's a mist. I live right by water and there's almost always mist over water, fog over water in the morning time. But when the sun comes up, it doesn't take long for that fog, that mist, that vapor to burn off, to evaporate away. And when we're going through foggy times, spiritually, <laughs> we need to remember it's only temporary. The fog is not going to last always. I know that James 4.14 is talking about how temporary our lives are, but I find it interesting 
that it says that in this temporary life that we live, there's a lot of foggy times. It's like a mist. We don't, we don't know it all. We don't understand it all. We don't see it all. But the fog's not going to last always. And the good news is, is that there are those great periods in our lives that the Lord pierces through the fog. Isaiah 44 20 and 22, the NIV says, God speaking said, I've swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. I've taken your sins, and if he were speaking today, maybe he'd say something like this. I've just like dew on your windshield, I've wiped your sin away. Now, if the Lord can wipe away the fog of our sins, He can wipe away the fog of our misunderstandings. He can wipe away the fog of our uncertainty. He can wipe away the fog of our inabilities, of our frustrations. He can wipe the fog away. Anybody remember uh, the Henson family when they used to sing, you know, the lighthouse and other? They they were my favorite. I used to, I mean, I used to seven, eight year old boy. I'd listen to the I'd listen to the Hensons on a on a record or on an eight track tape. Believe that or not, I listen. And I, even as a seven, eight-year-old boy, I would cry under the anointing of, of their singing. They used to have a song that they, they sung. As along life's road you go, clouds may hide the light of day, but have no fear for friend you know, love will roll the clouds away. Love will roll the clouds away and turn your darkness into day. And I'm so glad that I now can say love will roll the clouds away. Have you ever had that happen to you? You ever been through those foggy moments that the presence of God automatic, uh, uh, comes down and automatically it's like night and day? That the sunshine of the Lord just burns away the cloud, the confusion? In 1952, a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick decided that she wanted to swim a 26-mile swim from the coast of California to Catalina Island. And so she went through all of the training that she needed to go through, and she got a team together. There were several small boats that followed her and surrounded her in case she needed medical attention, there to meet any needs that she might have there to encourage her, and about 15 hours into the swim, a dense fog rolled in over the ocean. And she, her mother was in a nearby boat, and she said to her mother, she said, I, I don't think I can go on. I don't think that I'm going to be able to complete this challenge. But she said, well, I'm going to, she thought to herself, I'm going to try. So she swam in that dense fog. Not only could she not see Catalina Island, she couldn't even see those boats surrounding her. She swam for about another 15 or another hour. And finally, she just had all that she could take. And finding 
one of the boats. She was lifted up out of the water. When she got on board, she was informed that she had quit one mile short of reaching her goal. One mile before she got to Catalina Island. And in the press conference, she said this. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Don't give up this close to the answer to your prayers. Don't give up this close to heaven's shore. I know it's foggy right now, but don't give up. By the way, that story doesn't end sadly. It ends happily. She tried again, and she made it and set a record. And then she decided a couple of times to swim the English Channel and back again, setting records. But when she tried that second time to reach Catalina Island, you know why she said she made it? Because I had a picture in my mind of the shoreline. And that's what kept me going. And there are times as Christians that heaven and the hope of heaven and the answers to our prayers loom so brightly. And we're encouraged to keep trying, keep going. But there are other times that the fog rolls in. And we have to keep in our hearts and our minds the picture of our prize and keep going. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. We don't see things clearly yet. We're squinting in a fog, peering through the midst. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright and we'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. We've got to stay faithful in the fog. Fog, Amen. Let's lift our hands and rejoice. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise You, O God. Lord, that we don't have to see you to know you there. And God, we know that you're in the midst of the fog. And we are so thankful, dear Lord. Oh, God, that you've allowed us to stay faithful in the fog. And that we get familiar with you in the fog. And we are so glad to know, God, that the fog has a limited time. One of these days, the clouds are going to part. And we're going to see Jesus coming to receive us unto himself. Lord, haste that day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.